Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right. Let's roll. Heidi ho Welcome to, yes, it is the Dennis and Andy Show, the visual edition. From here on out, we're going visuals. Well, this is our experiment. Let's see how this goes. This is exciting. So, if you're listening to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, all that stuff, no worries. You're going to miss a few things that we can actually show now. If you want to see the show, check out our YouTube channel, Dennis and Andy Show. And, uh, like you say, let's roll. Let's roll. All right. First up, well, we have to go over our fantasy football because... Do we have to? (laughs) Well, actually, yes, because I won. Well, we played each other. Remember from last week, we did play each other, and I'm very sad. Yes, I lost. You did. And and part of it was uh, I was gone. You got your ass handed to it, you. It, yeah, all for a couple of reasons. <laughs> um, I had my players lined up. I had the quarterback for Miami all set, lined up. My wife calls, and she's like, hey, how come you're starting him? And I'm like, well, I said, I said my both my quarterbacks were out, so I says I know who I got in there. She's like, okay, but why why aren't you starting Stafford? And I'm like, he's out with COVID. She goes, no, he's not. He's healthy. I'm like, yeah, you sure? So she goes and looks him up. No, he's healthy. Why aren't you starting him? Kind of want to see what the Miami guy's gonna do. Mm, you should probably start him. And I and I was like, I don't know. Why? And I did. I listened to her because she was like trying to be convincing while I was on the road. I was driving back. She was trying to be supportive. You mean? I was driving back from Wisconsin. I couldn't see anything. So you know, fifteen hour drive, and she was trying to do the right thing. (laughs) Stafford laid an egg. I listened to her. It's just laid an egg. And, of course, Miami quarterback got, like, 19 points. Did a phenomenal job. And then I didn't start my receiver for the Green Bay Packers, which I teetered on, and I should have. Those two players, I would have beat you. And all because I didn't just listen to my gut. Tuning out my wife from now on, but she tried to do the right thing. So (laughs) I lost, and I lost big just off those two players. You lost 86 to 59. 59. I mean, I know, guys, I think Chad probably had a guy in the league that got 59 points from one player. Wait, wait, wait. I like how our fantasy league does a recap, so I'm just going to read their recap. (laughs) I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long, (laughs) but I like the first couple sentences. Ranking eighth in the league in points scored for the week, the Dirty Boys, that's this guy's team, we're fortunate to earn a victory against an opponent that performed even worse. <laughs> Earning an 86-59 to 59 victory over Charlotte Trekkers. Yep, and honestly, I couldn't perform anywhere. Seriously, I don't have any of my guys that played up to the potential. I mean, granted, I am in last place. I'm 1-8. I've got my one token victory for the season. 
I'll be drafting first next season, the first time this has ever happened in the over decade that I've done this, but I there is just no way around Wait, wait, wait. Are you actually saying you don't think you're going to win many more games? doesn't matter how many I win. There aren't oh, enough before playoffs start. Yeah. I am going to be dead last. So it's John and I right now. You squeaked up. You're in eighth place, I'm so you're eight. ahead of John. So in our league, the top eight places actually get into the playoffs. We got a nice big playoff, so only the two schlubs wind up getting kicked out. Yeah, but I don't I know if have, I've ever missed the playoffs, but I will this year. I still have time to go down. Oh, yes. You, so have, let's not you have a chance. And, and look, this week I'm playing against Chocotaw Chick. Who's that? That's my sister-in-law. I'm That's playing against your sister-in-law, and the projected points are my me 65, her 103. <laughs> so I can very well slide right back down to nine. Well, you're only 63. Well, you can adjust your players. Maybe right. you can get into the 70s. I'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. So we have to shift from fantasy now to our actual teams. My Packers did well. They got they, they got the win on a team that you would hope they would get a win for on it. But, you know, they've been in a bit of a roller coaster here, so it's it's all good. They, they played like they needed to. They got the victory. Cowboys, they lost. But, there's a but, they lost tight, very close game to the Steelers. The undefeated Steelers should have wiped up the arena with the Cowboys. Yeah. And the Cowboys came out strong, and part of it was their fourth string quarterback yeah. they started, who actually came over from that failed uh, AA whatever football league from a few years ago. Yep. But he was actually drafted in the NFL in 2014. So he's been around a while. But the most exciting thing is that dude was on fire. He, he mean, was solid. He was absolutely solid. He dude. was drilling it in there. I was listening to the game on uh, my SiriusXM on the drive back, and I was like, wow. Cowboys stopped him when they needed to, and I, they were ahead for a lot of the game. Yeah. And I was like, "Go McCarthy, you're, you're getting your boys to play." And 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 then, and as usual fashion this season, the Cowboys, you know, kind of did an imitation of the New York Jets. Oh, how dare you! You know, how that was one of the things we you. talked about during the week. The Jets are were what seven and fifteen in their last twenty two games, and. The Cowboys are 7-15 in their last 22 games. Yeah, so yeah, I did yeah. say Cowboys equals Jets. And what did you tell me, Andy? Words hurt, Dennis. Words hurt. Words <laughs> hurt. That was the that is exactly what I got from the text. Words hurt. So we've got a bye this week. The Cowboys yep. have a bye. So at least their record's not going to get worse. But the problem is they could literally slide into last place, depending on what the rest of the division does. Because right now I believe they're third. Yes. So that would suck. Um, I don't know. I mean, their season's pretty much a write-off as as far as it is. I just I'm very excited for the quarterback and you know seeing this kid play and you know my my thing with names is awful. His name is uh, something Gilbert. So something Gilbert. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're on the team. Something Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. His last name's Gilbert. I'm awful with names. I've never said I wasn't. Um, so, but he looked great. Yep. So, you know what? I am, uh, I mean, think I'm, about I'm it. Dalton, Dalton looked good. I mean, so all of your uh, quarterbacks looked fine for being backups or backups to the backups. So that's your positive. The Packers played Jacksonville this week. 
Oh, come on. It, Easy win. Where's that game at? Well, I, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Because oh, it, it should be a game that they win. Yeah, you mean but like the Steelers? You never which know they with what with what they're doing. You right, never know what's going to happen. Let's just see where they're playing at. Pack. Oh, they're playing at Packers. You got to win. Well, Come that's on. what you Six would and say. Two, one and but, seven. But they, they broke their perfect streak, you know, at home this this season. So you know what? There's no one in invulnerability anymore. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. That's that. On to what's what did we get this week? What did the boys get? And what now with visuals. So once again, if you're listening to us, bump on over to YouTube because we're showing the comics we got this week. I'll go first. I guess I should say full disclosure. Dennis was a little too lazy to bring his books over. Not lazy. We well, it's raining torrentially outside. Yes. And he likes his books in mint condition, even though there's things called plastic bags. So he's just, just going to read that. his list where I am going to... Show my. Normally I'll bring them, but I also had a stack that that was this big yeah, for he, ketchup. I had a lot of stuff that came in. He got a ton. My week was slim. So I got Green Lantern number uh, nine, season two, number nine. Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp. I love the writing. I really, I, I really like the art. Liam's doing a lot of his own coloring now. Uh, the black, and he, he does a lot of digital painting. Uh, this is really like a silver age, silver age throwback, even in regards to the cover. Uh, Liam kind of did a silver age motif on the cover, uh, the flat coloring that was done. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Green Lantern, favorite character for DC. So I got that. I got, this is the version cover of the new uh, Hellboy one-shot written by Mr. Mignola and drawn by Adam Hughes fan favorite, Adam Hughes. The title is The Seven Wives Club. I bought it because I love Hellboy and I love Adam Hughes' artwork. So you put those two together. Well, I'll buy anything Adam does. I did get Betty and Veronica one through three. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. It was a good... Well, Adam wrote that. We'll talk about that another time. But so I got this. Looking forward to reading this. Once again, I saw the very virgin cover just showing Adam's black and white art, even though he colored the cover. I love black and white art, so I got that. And then because that was it, two books. I can't walk out with just two books. So generally when I go to the shop, when there's heavy weeks, I'll look at stuff and go, oh, I usually wouldn't get that book, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. But this is a really big week already, so I'll just remember it and put it on a list for next time. So I picked up Batman 101. It came off of, obviously, issue 100, which wrapped up a six-part storyline. This is a one-and-done issue. I love stuff like that. So I picked this up. Uh, it's written by, you know, James Tinian uh, IV, art by, uh, I'll mess his name up, Gillum March, whose work I really enjoy. He also did the cover. So Batman 101 I picked up as well. So those are my three for the week. Two technically and one from a few weeks ago. Yeah, I had a lot of books that came in. Uh, you know, Vampire, The Masquerade, the, the back issues that we had done, they had come in. So I got a nice stack. Um, this week it was, of course, X of Swords is still going on. So The Marauders came out. The Excalibur came out. Uh, X-Men. Uh, well, they, the well, cool thing, they had X-Men facsimile. Oh, number right. four number that came out for those of us that like the old 
Silver Age X-Men, which looked beautiful. I had to pick a copy of that up. You own that real book. Of course I do. But now I can open up the facsimile and enjoy it without opening up my other book. That's true. So, yeah, Wolverine came out. Taskmaster came out. Um, and Darth Vader came out. So it's a pretty solid week. I've got a lot of reading. I've got a lot of catching up in my reading to do. So, you yes, know, you it, it was a good, solid week for me. Um, but I'm behind with me being gone for a bit here. So got a lot of reading to catch up to. But one book that you did read, and I did too, that we're going to review, Fantastic Four, Antithesis, number three, three of four, one yep. to go. Yep. So we're going to talk about this. As a recap, it's written by Mark Wade, uh, drawn by the legendary Neil Adams, inked by who I call legendary Mark Farmer. He's been in the business for almost 40 years, fantastic inker, uh, colored by a friend of mine, Laura Martin. She is fantastic, one of the best colorists out there. Uh, this continues the antithesis storyline where basically uh, there's this new villain, Antithesis. Uh, he basically converts Galactus back to human form. This yeah. is our recap. He's back to Gala. I mean, it's yeah, cool to, yeah. to see what he, what he looks like in human form because over the years, the decades that he's been you know, brought in stories, you don't get to see him this way very often. We we know what it is, and it's only been a couple of times. So this is this is actually really cool. The uh, artwork, the, the thing that I keep coming back to, if you're a fan of old Silver Age comics, they went out of their way to make sure that this feels just like Silver Age comics. It looks and feels, I love it. It's kind of retro. Um, and each issue has just been been great. It's like taking a step through time with a little bit newer. Um, yeah. The storyline is has been solid. Um, it it started out amazing, and it, I, I think it's taken a bit of a dip. So it was interesting to see where this one was going to go. Um, and the cool thing was, you know, they have to reabsorb the the, the what was it dark. It's, it's like this dark energy. So yeah. basically in issue three, Reed and uh, Gala, Human Galactus, come up with this plan for the Fantastic Four to go out and kind of reabsorb this dark energy that Antithesis has kind of spread around. Um, the cool thing is the Fantastic Four basically become Heralds of Galactus in yep. this issue. Yep. And it's cool. They, they, they absorb it. And he goes, I'm giving you the power cosmic, which, of course, we all know that's what the Silver Surfer, right basically, and how they were all right done. There. It's cool. It is. It's really cool to see it. And it's just exciting to see what, what they're going to do with the uh, with the power cosmic. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into spoilers with it because, you know, we'll, we'll just give you our overall review so you can read it and judge for yourself. Uh, you know, I second what Dennis said about the visuals. I'm a huge Neil Adams fan. He was a big influence on my artwork. He still is. Uh, I said it about issues one and two. I, I thought when I saw the solicitation back in the early part of the year for this with Mark Farmer inking it, I was, uh, I was really overjoyed. I like when Neil inks his work, but Mark Farmer inking Neil, it really reminds me of those two issues of Thor that Neil did back in the 70s that Joe Sennett inked. And Mark Farmer is definitely... Uh, uh, comes from that Joe Sinnott, nice, slick, brushwork school of inking. 
So seeing him and Neil definitely gives it more of that Silver Age feel. And, you know, Neil's layouts are always dynamic. Uh, Mark Wade's on point with the dialogue. Uh, as usual, I mean, Mark loves the Fantastic Four. He's had, you know, a number of runs on the Fantastic Four monthly book from years back. And, and you can tell he really loves it. Uh, uh, the book ends with, uh, overall, issue three, uh, I liked it. Uh, issue one, as a whole, is still my favorite issue. Issue two, you know, it was good, but I still went back. I was like, man, issue one, just as a whole, I really like. I like issue three. Uh, I, I like it equivalent to issue two. So issue one, still my favorite. Um, the ending of issue three, and we don't want to spoil it, uh, the cliffhanger is just, it, it's fantastic. Because the whole the whole point of this issue is, I guess, recapturing this this dark energy and, and getting it back to uh, Gala so he becomes Galactus. So the question again. is, how do they do it? I mean, right. that, that's what, what he and Rita have to come up with. Their solution is, should we say, very interesting. Right. Um, and it's a beautiful splash page uh, uh, at the end. And you're, we were both like, whoa, on the phone. Got to call and talk about this one because it was cool. It was a really cool ending. So now I've got these expectations because first one was way up here. It was phenomenal. And then two was solid. Three yeah. was solid. But now they've just set the bar they where the bar I really high. wanted to go back up and I wanted to finish with a big bang because they've now set the standard for it. So looking forward to, to seeing what they're going to do with it. And uh, I don't know if we covered this in a previous podcast, but it was released that they're going to reprint this series one through four as a trade paperback. And you're going, no, duh, they always reprint trade the limited series as trade paperbacks. However... They're doing this treasury size next spring. I know. So it's going to be that big treasury 10 by 13 or whatever size book collecting all four issues. So they already got me on the hook because I'll definitely definitely be buying that. And that artwork is so good um, that it, it's just going to be, again, we're going to own the issues. But I'm going to have to get the treasury just because the artwork being blown up like that is just fantastic. Very much looking, very much looking forward to it. So uh, last night, Dennis and I had an outing. We went yep. on a little uh, adventure to the AMC, the movie theater. The movie, so good to get back to another movie. Oh, it was nice too because there was like eight people in the theater, yep. and the two of us had a whole row to ourselves. Yep. So uh, everybody was nice and spread out. And we could make comments, and there was nobody to turn around and go, shh, exactly. don't say that. I mean, we're not that loud. Or, <laughs> we're not like Mystery Science Theater 3000 or anything. No, but no, still. but we could be. So we went and saw new Kevin Costner flick. He stars in it with Diane Lane. Let yeah. him go. Right. And when we saw the trailer, I'm like, it's Mon Pa Kent. I know. I was like, whoa, <laughs> another movie that they've been in together. So we know him from... Superman, Man of Steel. And, you know, we, we've already talked what, what I feel about that movie. But I love those two in that movie. And I'm like, they've got good chemistry, you know, and very excited to see. It's not one of my typical type of nerdy, must-see, sci-fi type movies. But as Kevin Costner's gotten older, he tends to play a really good 
crotchety old man or an angry cowboy or something along that genre. Well, he got to play basically a crotchety cowboy. Well, he's kind of melded the two. He's a retired sheriff. So the, and the a plot, ranger. We're not going to spoil anything. Uh, so we'll just give you the overall plot and stuff. So the plot is, you know, like Dennis said, Kevin Costner's character is George Blackledge. His uh, wife is played by Diane Lane. Uh, her character is Margaret Blackledge. They live in Montana. Montana. It takes place in the 1950s, so it's not modern day. Um, yeah, which I, I got to say, yeah, say it's late 50s, early 60s. No, so it's 50s. Oh, is I it? Did the, yeah, I, okay. I, I ran the numbers in my old noggin when we were watching it because the movie starts off and they don't, I mean, you can tell by the vehicles and stuff and the clothing, you get a sense for the, the era, but then there's clues throughout the movie. And, and basically what happens is it starts off, they're at their home in Montana in the middle of nowhere, you know, they own acreage, they have horses and whatnot. A cool ranch. Yeah, a cool ranch. And uh, their son, their adult son, he's he's 25. Only son. Only son. And his wife and their newborn uh, baby boy live with them. And this isn't a spoiler. Their son has an accident and dies. And then, it, the, the, and then from there, it kind of jumps three years and this is why i knew when the movie actually took place because there's a scene that shows uh the gravestone for the sun oh, and you didn't read yeah. it apparently no i was I looking did. i was checking was, out all the graves it was from his son was born in 36 and died in 1951 okay so if the baby was a newborn and now three the movie took place when yeah yeah 1954 all right math is hard for dennis now you just got to see the clues. I miss that clue. I'm a clue finder. So, so then their daughter, their daughter-in-law, um, played by Kaylee Carter, who's really, really good in this movie, um, remarries, and they end up. Well, what happens? So they wind up know. getting married. They wind up the the wife. Well. Her, the baby, and and the new father, they wind up moving into town away from the ranch. Yep. And Ma Kent is very sad. You know, I'm going to say that through. Or just want to call him Ma and, and Pa John, Kent. And pa Kent. <laughs> Ma Kent is just, you know, she's very sad because she was very, very, very attached to the baby. And really, that's the only legacy left from their living son who yeah. passed away. So the tie is so deep in there that she's very, very sad. So fast forward, she moves, goes to go visit her, makes a beautiful cake and everything, goes to visit them. And they packed up and moved out and they don't know where. But a nice lady who lived downstairs said they packed up and went to move by his parents. But they don't know. They've never met him. They weren't at the, uh, the wedding and stuff like that. Well, now it's a bit of a mystery. Where did they go? Well, she's a bit stubborn. His Ma Kent. Oh, Ma Kent. Let me tell you, there's, a, there's, she is, she's a, well, I, she is stubborn, but what I actually got from it was, and I leaned over to Dennis and made a comment, she's just a very strong-willed woman. Right. You know, and I think there's a difference between, because somebody that's stubborn can just be annoying. 
Yes. But that doesn't mean they're strong-willed. That just means they're being pig-headed stubborn. Where she, uh, Diane Lane's character, to me, just came across as very strong-willed, very independent. And I leaned over to Dennis at one point and was like, kind of reminds you of our wives, doesn't it? <laughs> it, 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 it does. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. They will ask, do you want me to do A or B? So I'll say, why don't you do B? Then she turns around and does A. Why do you even ask me? You're going to do what you want right. to do anyway, and you always do the opposite. I mean, in the movie, Diane Lane's character has basically packed her clothes and made up her mind that she's going to go to North Dakota and find her grandson. And bring him home. And bring him home. And she tells, you know, Kevin Costner comes home from, you know, being out because he's a retired sheriff. So, you know, they don't yeah. say where he wants. And he's on his ranch. He comes back home to the ranch sees that the car's all packed up and walks in and she's basically like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Uh, whether you come with me or not. And I mean, you know, what's he going to say? No, of course not. Well, well, he does pull a little bit of a funny in there because, you know, she goes, he goes, I suppose you're going to do it. And this is great because it kind of reminds me of my grandparents and stuff. Knew exactly what she was going to do. Yeah, She's going to do it regardless of what he says. So they're sitting there eating the soup that he made. She's telling him, and he's just sitting there, and he goes, have you considered the consequences? I'm the one who's going to be picking up the pieces right. when this is all done. And, and he knows where this is heading. He's already foreseeing it because of his time in the law enforcement. He knows where this is going to go. And he, he makes a couple of comments. But he's a man of very few words. Yeah. She is a woman of many, many words. Yeah. And it's she's got all the bark. He's got the bite. But his when he does say something, you need she knows it means it. You know, even his subtle, subtle hints. <laughs> Here's what it reminded me of. There's so it's just like ugh, 20, 25 years ago, my wife and I were living up in Syracuse, New York. And we played we played on a softball league, a co-ed softball league with some of her friends, my friends. Her sister was on the league. Point of the story is, we were walking, we were walking to the field, if I remember correctly, and some dude started yelling at us. And the guy's probably like your size, right, mm -hmm. height wise and stuff. And he's yelling at yelling at it, it specifically. This, this group of me, my wife, and her sister. And, you know, so there's three of us, and there's this big dude. And I'm just thinking, you know what, just it's something about a parking space or some, some BS thing. Doesn't matter. Point is, I'm just like, just let it go. Ignore it. Oh, no. My wife, who's all 5'2", <laughs> turns around and decides to get up in this dude's grill. And her sister's right there with her. And, and just talking trash to this guy. And, you know, basically, luckily, nothing happened. And, you know, we went our separate ways, not agreeing, you know, the three of us and this guy. But after he left and walked away, I looked at them both and I go, who do you think that guy was going to punch? Who do not you, you two. I, yeah, he's not going to deck either one of you. He's not going to punch you two. He's going to punch the guy. Yep. So your mouths, and I'm standing there just trying to cool it down, like, okay, it's not a big deal, chill, because 
I don't want to get into a fight. I mean, I'm not a big dude now. Back then, I was like, like now I'm 5'10", and I'm like uh, 175. Back then, I was obviously the same height, but I was like 145. And this dude is like, how tall are you? Six what? You I was, I was six one. Yeah. Now officially, I'm six foot and three quarters. He, he he dropped the quarter inch. That's what happens when you get old. Old and getting old. So, and I'm like, yeah. What are you running your mouth for? In fact, this is the second time that happened to me. When I was going to the Kubert School, which is the art school I went to in the in the late '80s, early '90s. When I was attending the school, my my freshman class there was a hundred students, and out of the hundred students, they broke it up into five classes. So there was twenty students per class. And the Kubert school back then in the late 80s was, I think, out of the total uh, the total amount of students in the school, there was about a little under 200 students in the school. There was probably four girls going to the school. That's it, right? Yeah. And there was one in my freshman class. So we were out kind of walking around the town of Dover, New Jersey, try, just trying to get the lay of the land and stuff, right? Oh, I, I know where this, I can feel where this is going. It's myself, four of my buddies, and the the female student. I, I can't recall her name because she didn't come back after first year. But we basically were walking around Dover, New Jersey, and there's this, there's a basketball game going on, just a pickup game, no big deal. And we want to walk to the other side of the court. So, you know, doing the right thing, because the game's going on, you don't walk across the court, you walk around the court. Yep. Well, we walked around the court. She walked through the court, right? So we get to the other side. She gets to the other side. And we're walking. And now the dudes that were playing basketball, there's like 10 of them. And it was like 515, are literally yelling at her, calling her names. <laughs> and she turns around and starts running her mouth. Well, this is when a and And then one of the guys in the group, you know, we all walk back towards her because we're not just going to leave her there because they're approaching her and stuff. And we're like, come on, let's just go, whatever. They should, they should be running their mouths. And we're like, well, you did walk across the court. A fight did break out. Oh. And one of my buddies, that my roommate, a guy named Tommy, actually got punched in the face and got a black eye. And we broke it up and stuff. And Because it wasn't, not all, not all the players got into the fight. It was just, you know, one of the loudmouth players, and then my roommate happened to be a loudmouth guy. So they got into the fight. So we broke it up, went on our way. But once again, nothing happened to her. They weren't looking to punch her. Well, now, that story <laughs> ties directly into, into this movie, movie. Because the same thing happened. Because she cannot control herself. She's got a mouth on her. So she they have to track down who the wee boy family is. And as they start finding out, when they get up to, um, they're in Montana, they get to uh, North, North Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. Now, the scenery is stunning. I mean, Oh, it's beautiful. So the, I've never been out there, but now I so want to go out there. Yeah. Talk about big sky country. And I was just there a couple I months know. ago. It, it's, 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 it's amazing. It was breathtaking. It, it is. So this is a visual movie where this isn't the kind of movie I would normally buy. But I actually really want to see this in 4K now, some of the shots and stuff as they're driving. It would be just stunning. So they get out there and you start finding out as they're asking questions, well, we're, we're looking for the wee boys. And as we find out, there's a reputation. And a lot of people have ties to the wee boys 
and they're not exactly a friendly group. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say the Wee Boys, what they reminded me of is a clan that you'd see more in, like, say, West Virginia, Kentucky, something like that. Yeah. You know, they live out in the middle of nowhere. There's the mom, you know, of the family who's played by uh, Leslie Manville. And she's Blanche Weeboy, who she does she's a fantastic. Amazing. She is amazing. She is absolutely. So you've got the two, you've got the two matriarchs right, you got the in matriarchs. the family. And one of them's a, a, a big mouth. Right. And one of them is a big fist. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It, it's, it's really, really good how those two wind up pairing off. And basically it's all the men having to deal with the issues for the two headstrong women going forward. Now it's great. Another great actor in the movie who plays one of the sons is Bill Weeboy, played by Jeffrey Donovan. And you're going, Jeffrey Donovan, why does that name sound familiar? I was telling Dennis, he was in a show on, I believe, the USA Network called Burn Notice that has been off the air now for, I think, four or five years. It ran for six or seven seasons. It's called Burn Notice because he played a burn spy. Uh, Bruce Campbell was in it. It was a fantastic show. I told Dennis, you got to watch it. Yeah, Jeffrey, it's, it's not one I've ever seen. Jeffrey Donovan is a, just a phenomenal character actor. He And the funny thing is, he usually plays... Um, the the handsome leading man and in this movie you know they didn't really change his look a lot it looked like he did gain a little weight i don't know if he if that's necessarily just with age because in burn notice he was you know he was slim and shaped in this he's just a little bit heavier um they definitely gave him uh i i would say an appropriate haircut for the movie yep. you know for 1950s uh uh, living out in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota clan type thing, uh, and not, you know, not, clan is in C L A N um, type type thing. Well, I I said that and I thought, well, he's not a he's not a KKK member. Well, it, it, he's part it, it of is this family. Piece, that's a clan, right. right? It is a so piece, so. because there's there's him and then his two brothers. Well, three brothers. Well, no, two brothers and then the 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 new son-in-law. Or yeah, Donnie. Donnie. Yeah, Donnie is a nephew, is Bill Billy Wee, Bill Weeboy, Jeffrey Donovan's nephew. So You know what it reminded me of from the Ozarks, you know, when they yeah. moved down there. Yeah. And everybody knows each other and they already know kind And they of know that reputation. Involved. Yep. And it scares the hell out of a lot of people. And so they've got that reputation. Even even the sheriff in town in North Dakota, when you hear Wee Boy, it's kinda like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be you dealing just, with You that. just get the impression, because he doesn't come right out and say, don't deal with them, but you definitely get the impression like you shouldn't. And yeah, and this wasn't the local sheriff. This was a sheriff on the other end when they were trying right. to find him. He goes, I'll make some calls, but we know the name Wee Boy, yeah. basically saying just just, just be careful. So it, they wind up having to go. They, they have their confrontation. So... Here's what we're going to talk. we got to talk a little bit about the pacing of the movie. Yeah. This is a very, in a good way, it's a slow burn because it's a very slow movie. As, yeah. you know, one scene leads into another and it's all important. 
but it's slow. This is not an action movie. The first half of the movie is more like a family drama. There's a lot of things going on, right. heartache in there. How do you overcome it? What happens? You're moving on. Once they take the son and take off and they have to go find him, it now becomes a bit of a thriller, kind of like Taken. Yeah, it picks up. The pace, it's like Dennis said, It's the whole movie's a slow burn. But there are movies that are slow burns where you, when you're done, because the movie is two hours long. There are movies that when you're done, and uh, what was what was Tarantino's from last year? Uh, Hollywood, no, what, the Hollywood well, I, one. What was it called? Oh, um, I was thinking Hateful Eight, but no, not right. Hateful Eight. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. I'm thinking of Quentin Tarantino's Brad movie one. from last year that had Brad Pitt in it and stuff. Uh, it dealt with you know the it, it was also a slow burn and all that. But here's the difference: that was a slow burn, but there were actually moments in that movie that I thought you could take this whole 20 minutes, chop it, throw it away, you wouldn't miss it, and you'd still get the point of the movie. In this movie, it's a slow burn. But everything is integral to the movie. There right. wasn't anything I saw. They build on everything. And, right. There wasn't anything in Let Him Go that we saw or I saw that you could cut out. And there's flashback sequences as well to help with the character right. development. But I was going to say, everything that they did in this movie was for character development. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is that it? That is. That, that is. is. Once a Time in once upon a time in Hollywood. So everything is about character development, right. and it builds on it. And you get to know the main characters, Mon Pa Kent. You know, you get to know the entire family. You start getting to know the wee boys, yeah. and they're all very important. Now, that's the one part where I never wish a movie to be too much longer. But if there was one thing I wish they would have done, the Wee Boys, you know they've got a reputation. Mm -hmm. You find out some of the basics about it, and you kind of know they're badass, but you don't know really know a lot. I would have liked to have seen more. Give me another 15 minutes yes. into this movie, and everything else is good, but focus in on the Wee Boys and some of the background that happened in there. Or, as when they get to town, well, you know, they meet a store owner, they, and he... Talks a they kind of the did, but very minimally. Right. I expanded for fifteen minutes, so we there, there's a scene in the movie where basically the mother, uh, the matriarch wee boy Blanche, kind of does that. She kind of she does a lot of explanation about why the family settled where they're at, her her deceased husband. But I, I agree. I think especially with Bill wee boy played once again by Jeffrey Donovan. I think if they would have shown just flashback stuff with him, because that would, because they already established the flashback stuff with uh, Costner and Diane Lane. So if they did a little flashback stuff with why Bill Wee Boy, yeah, because he was definitely the more feared one, and he lived in town. That was yeah. interesting because you could tell there's Wee Boys here and there, and they're, they're like a little bit all over, and they're all intertwined a little bit, but. So I'm not saying that as a negative, as they built in. I wish they would have had a little bit more. It was a slow burn. However, when these scenes were, it wasn't necessarily a ton of action. There was action in it, but the intensity was off the scale. Oh, so yeah. it paid its dividends in how intense these scenes were. And you're just like, whoa! And you're waiting to see what was going on. It was great. They just... 
there was no point in this movie where there were a couple of times I think, okay, I might get bored if they don't go somewhere. And then they went somewhere. So I was never bored in this movie. But when those payoff scenes came in, oh, right. the intensity, it, it, it paid its dividends. I'd say the first two-thirds of the movie, you were, you know, you were sitting back in your seat with your feet kicked up, watching it, taking in a great story. And then, like Dennis said, at the last third or even last quarter, you know, the final act, it was edge of your seat. Yes. Um, the, don't first, wanna... the first half would almost be like one of those Hallmark Westerns. <laughs> almost, yeah. I mean, we made, it, we made a joke about that, too, in the movie. Because there, yeah, it, it could be. Um, we're not going to spoil anything, so but we will talk about stuff that was in the trailer. So if you watch the trailer, I don't consider that a spoiler because that's out there for everybody to see. So there's a scene in the trailer in a hotel room with uh, Diane Lane, Kevin Costner, and they're being confronted by the Wee Boy clan. So you've got you know Blanche, the mother's there, Bill Wee Boy's there, Donnie Wee Boy's there. And then Marvin and Elton, the two other brothers, are there as well. And there's even a scene, once again, it's in the trailer, so not a spoiler, where the whole reason, just to back up real quick, the whole reason Diane Lane wants to go and get her grandson is because she witnesses her, uh, she witnesses Donnie Wee Boy, Donnie and uh, Lorna, his wife, and the grandson are all out in town. This is before they moved to North Dakota. And she witnesses uh, Donnie smacking the kid. And the kid's only three. And then, you know, backhanding and smacking his wife as well. And right there, she's just horrified because, you know, before her son passed, obviously her son would never do that, blah, blah, blah. She wants to rescue the grandson. So then you cut to this hotel later on in the movie. And Blanche, we boy, the mother's kind of like, is this true, Donnie? Did you did you strike your wife? Did you hit your wife? Oh, how hard did you do it? And uh, she slaps him. And She's the like, mother, Blanche, slaps Donnie. And then looks at Diane Lane and is like, was it that hard? And Diane's like, no, it was a little bit harder. So once again, Blanche is like, whack! And slaps her son. What about that? And she's like, no, it was a little bit harder. And... You think she's going to do it again, but instead, Blanche, this time, backhands Diane Lane. It was awesome. And it, it was great. You know, Kevin Costner's being held back by the two other boys, and he, you know, obviously his wife just got smacked, and he's not going to take any of that. And that's when the intensity really heats up. And no spoilers. And you, you just realize at that point, there, 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 there's, there's not going to be a happy marriage between these two families no. going forward. It, it is great excitement all the way to the end. Um, it I, just builds to a great crescendo. One, yes. I always want to use that word. Yep. And you so, successfully did. I successfully. You know, I word of the day through my Amazon device, who I will not name. Uh, so what will the word be next time? So anyhow, it does. It builds up to this great climatic ending. The title is so fitting. Because at first you're like, let him go. Let him. What the hell's What's with the title? And then you realize that it's all about Diane Lane, really. And, you know, at first, you know, her son dies. She's got to let him go. Yep. They, they reference in a flashback to she used to she used to uh, break in horses. And so they reference one of her horses. Strawberry. Strawberry. that had to be put down. 
let him go, Diane. Let him go. And then there's even a scene where Kevin Costner is talking to her, basically trying to, because she's not thinking two steps ahead or three steps ahead. She's always in the she's, moment. She's just in the moment. Kevin so, Costner is always right. thinking ahead. So Kevin Costner is basically playing out to her, okay, so we get the grandson. We take him back. Then what? Then what? Then what? And he's basically like, just let him go. Yes. Yes, it's your grandson. It's it's part of our son is right there. But what it really comes down to also is the mother is not a blood relation. You know, that was their that was their step or that was their daughter in law. Yeah. You know, the new husband, no relation at all. You know, and and as hard as it sounds, and this is where I gotta give it up to Kevin because it is really tough, but he's basically saying, Look, we we're old. And we're, we have, we're grandparents. We're, we're old. We can't do it. We have no legal standing right. to do this. It, it, you know, you basically want to kidnap this three-year-old boy from his actual from mother. From his actual mother. And then what? We're going to raise him. We're going we're gonna to go through all the school years again. We can't do that. We're old. And she's just not thinking it. Nope. So she's right there in the moment. She's going to do what she's going to do. As a good husband, he's got to be there to pick up the pieces and we'll end the review this way before we grade it. Yep. The pieces, oh, there are many. It, it, this, is, this was a, a really good movie, so let's just do the reviews. So um, we'll grade. You know what? It, it isn't my normal kind of uh, We didn't grade this. Review. Oh. We forgot. So first-time viewers, which everyone is, we always give what we call a CGC grade, and the CGC is the grading system used by CGC when they slab comics. So we always give our CGC grade on book reviews and movie reviews. So before we give the CGC grade for Let Him Go, let's back up to Fantastic Four Antithesis number three and CGC grade that one. I gave it a 7.5. Okay, so out of a 1 through 10, Dennis goes 7.5. Closer 10 you are, better it is. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'll agree with you on that one. I, we're usually right in the same ballpark, so I'll, I'll go a 7.5. Um, giving a, giving, I don't think we've ever give any book review a 10. Uh, I know we've gotten up to like nine, five, nine, sevens. So seven, five, um, now to let him go. Uh, I'll go first with this one. I'll, well, let him go, man. I, we walked out of it and I was really thrilled with it. You know, I told Dennis, I really enjoyed it. He didn't seem to as much and I'll let him explain that because he had a little change of heart, I believe. So my grade for this movie is, I'm going like 8.3. I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I went into it because I love Kevin Costner. Um, I loved him. Uh, uh, I can't think of a dud movie. Okay, I take it back. Waterworld. That, that was bad. Yeah, and, and The Postman. Postman, not good either. But I'll, I, yeah, I would I, watch I that over Waterworld. Now, JFK. JFK, Untouchables, Dances with Wolves, <clears throat> Dances with Field of Dreams. I mean, Kevin Costner just home run almost all the time. And when I saw him teamed up with Ma Kent, Diane Lane, I had to go see it. So, yeah, I'm going 8.3. I thought it was really good. I could easily see it again. I would have been much lower. But I said when I first walked out, I mean, it was great at the end. So it, it landed right. But the more I thought about it last night, you know, I was like, 
I really enjoyed, even though it was slow, I enjoyed the character building and the world building that they, yeah. they did. And I, I'm actually going to give it an 8.0 and say it was really enjoyable and it worth spending the money to go to the theater to see it. Yeah. Theater's not packed. It's a really enjoyable movie. There, There's no sex. There's not a lot of swearing of any type. No. It is a good it's movie. A there's violence because obviously there's going to be a fair amount of violence when they deal with this. Um, it's PG-13. Yeah. No, it's R. It is? It's R. Remember the one scene? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, there's no it's, way it's, it's R. Oh, it's yeah, the violence. Yeah, yeah. There, it's the violence. Because I don't even think there's many bad. There's not much bad. I don't even no. think there was an F bomb in the no. whole movie. No, it was good, like I said. Yeah. And it's it's for the violence at the at the end. So anyway, an eight point eight point oh, go see the movie. You'll you'll enjoy it. Um, and I'd be lo love to hear your comments. Sweet. Now the Mandalorian episode two came Chapter out. Chapter ten. Yep, yep. And it was called The Passenger. And you know, I heard a lot of I'm gonna guess I'm gonna call negative reviews about this for people that watched it right away Did you really? and started posting. Yeah, really. And and I I, I was like, well, I was really bummed to, to hear that. Well, we watched it. I I yeah, I can't. I know they're upset because this was a, a one off. This was a standalone that really had nothing yeah, to do with Boba Fett. I no, understand, but. But to me, they're all one-offs that lead to the bigger picture. Well, in this because one, if you look at gonna, chapter nine, it but was in, in this one, it's basically going to be an entire season, one big story. People right. were not happy with it, and I mean, there were a fair number of them that were not happy with the way that that went. I totally disagree. After seeing it, I thought this was yeah, an absolutely fun episode all the way through. And see, the thing is, for me, I don't. I don't. I don't get that. I didn't see any reviews about it like that. Like part of it's probably because well, I saw we, people posting. That's what well, I that's what I mean. I didn't see any posting about yeah. it either. We watched it um, Friday, so the day you know the day yeah. it dropped, and uh, you know I watched it with my daughter Courtney. She loves Baby Yoda. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Um, see, I didn't see it as a one-off because, like Dennis said, there's a there's the big big picture that they're they're building to, like the the quest. That the Mandalorian is on and is taken from the first episode of season two, chapter nine. Um, I saw. I didn't see it as a one-off because of you know what happened. And what happened is it's called the passenger because basically he needs to take this this alien. If it's not a human, I call it an alien. So he needs to take this. What is it? Frog-looking thing. Yes, we'll call him a frog because he's like Her. a frog man. Her. Her. She's a frog woman. Sorry. So basically a frog woman uh, with her eggs that are in this this uh, this glass type container. She's an endangered liquid species. Container, and she has to go, he has to take her to her husband so they can, the eggs can be fertilized, whatever. Um, but the whole catch is he can't do it in, is it hyperdrive? Yeah. Well, what is it? It's hyperdrive. Yeah, well, right? they can't go into hyperdrive, hyperdrive because it would it would destroy it would, her her litter. Right, it would destroy the eggs. And he's like, "Whoa! If I can't go into hyperdrive, that means I can be tracked. I can be, you know, something like bad." Yeah. So he can't go into hyperdrive, and a couple X-wing fighters get on his tail, and they look. They basically contact him for a call sign and all that, which 
from my understanding, he doesn't have, so he tries to pull a fast one, right? Okay, so there's a couple of... Because yeah, I'm not, once again, I'm not into all the Star Wars lore, so I, I know X-Fighters, and I know the basics. This guy knows... So this was the fun part of the movie, just totally hilarious. So they got two X-Wings that wind up coming up next to him, and they yep. got one on each side, Flank. and they're like, they're like talking to him, like, hey, we, we need your transponder code, basically, and he's like, oh... Yeah, I, I I don't have a functioning one right now. Oh, well, we need this. Oh, you know, I we I don't really have one of those either. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Uh, what about this? And the Mandalorian just really cool, and he's just telling everybody, shh, just let me do the talking. Yeah. No, no, we we okay, okay. And then you hear me go, uh, switch over to channel two, and then you're sitting there, and the Mandalorian just looks. Switch over channel two, and about five seconds later, you see both X wings. Go. The X's fall out. They go into their X foil attack mode, and he's like, "Oh no!" He he already knows he's screwed. They've made him. So all of a sudden, you see Mandalorian takes off in his ship, and they're both sitting there going, "Where does he think he's going in that?" <laughs> and it was awesome. They go they go down to an ice planet, right? Yeah, ice planet. Yep. And uh, he basically, the Mandalorian evades him, but he also basically crashes. Yep. And there's a big hole in the ship. Uh, there's another scene. There, <laughs> Baby Yoda, he catches Baby Yoda trying to, well, not trying. He eats one of the frog lady's eggs. <laughs> Throughout the whole And it's show. so cute. I mean, Baby Yoda, she's cute. <laughs> He's just like, no, oh, you can't do Dude, that. Yeah, Mandalorian's like, stop like, that. Stop that. Awesome. Um, we're not, you know, going to spoil a ton of it. There's, there's, these, I, there's these great uh, spiders on this, on this plant. Ice spiders, you well, call them. They hatch from what look like xeno, white xenomorph eggs yes. that are laying down there. And Baby Yoda is, of, of course, course, eating one. And, and then they hatch. <laughs> oh, it was so it's great. all because of Baby Yoda. Um, uh, so there's a big fight with those spiders, and apparently, I think I read online that those spiders were actually something that were going to be used in one of the earlier films. I'm like glad the, they. Used I it. do like the callbacks where Favreau's bringing things in. Yes, from from previous lore. Yeah, um, I thought that was cool. There, you know, the, the ship has a has a gaping hole in it. She can't communicate because the, oh, frog, yeah, the lady frog lady can't communicate. communicate. So she wires up Zero. This was great. Yeah. And then Zero comes up on there, and that's, um, again, from IT crowd, Richard Aoti. Uh, uh, that's mm -hmm. his voice on there yeah. again. So he comes back in there. And so she's able to communicate with him and letting him know how important it is that she survives because she's the last of her species. All of this great stuff winds up happening, and my favorite scene, and this is where, again, John Favreau does some really cool stuff. The X-Wing pilots, oh, we're not going to give it away, but they wind up saving the day. But you see them sitting in their X-Wing with their cockpits open, saving their butts, and then you kind of recognize them. 
So the first one is uh, Dave uh, Filoni. So he's right. one of the showrunners. Yep. So he makes an appearance as an X-Wing pilot. And then we started, my wife and I both started laughing. Because Paul's son, uh, Hyung Lee, is actually the other one who's talking to him. And we're like, it's Appa from Kim's Convenience. That was Appa? That's Appa! Yes! That's right! Oh, Kim's you missed that! I did miss that. Well, he... I, He's I, got I his helmet on. Yeah, yes. I was looking at him going, why does he look so familiar? But, you know, Kim's Convenience, which is a hilarious show on Netflix, you know, he's Korean. So in that show, yep. he actually doesn't have in real life a, a, a thick Korean accent. But yep. in the show, Kim's Convenience, he does. Anyhow. Yep. So in that, that Mandalorian, him. he obviously didn't. And that's why I could I could recognize the face, but I couldn't picture. I couldn't. My wife and I, as soon as oh he started talking, we were like, Oh it my was God, that's so awesome. great! It was great. He plays the captain of the X-wing squadron. Yeah, so it's it's uh, episode two. I thought was better than one. Um, I don't want to even tell you the ending because I thought the ending, and I'm not even talking the ending where they fight off the spiders and how they get out of that. Just uh, you know, they. I'll just we'll just leave it with the Mandalorian is able to get the ship his ship off planet back into space back on the voyage to take yep. the passenger and but you you just have to watch it it is it was so good i thought it was actually right up there with chapter 9 um and yep. if not better and i say that and we're going to give it our review score i don't remember i keep saying i need to write down what i give reviews because i might review it lower by a point or so, but I think it was right up there. So what, what do you give this one? Oh, I I give this one a nine, just a flat nine. I mean, it is. So, I I love the Mandalorian. It's yep. so good. So and that's just funny because that's exactly. It's a near minus. It's a nine in my book. Um, I I like the first the chapter nine a little bit better, but I really this was a fun fun episode that you get to see. A little bit less of the serious side of the Mandalorian, yes. and yes. and it's it just played very well. And yes, I I do already get the fact that some of you are saying it didn't have a lot to do with the Boba Fett storyline. Not everything does because you they're on their way to it. This is what's part. happening right. in it to the next right. piece. So I I'm willing to give that a pass because I'm yeah. sure they're going to do it justice. So yeah, I'm giving this a nine oh. Love the Mandalorian. Disney's finally got something that they're, they're they're doing right right now. And before we leave, let's just check see if there's any other quick news that we want to touch on. Uh, yeah, I'm just they, looking we, through a see, site. We, yeah, we did go through the movies and stuff and trailers, and there really isn't uh, no. a ton of new movies that look like it's coming out. So our movie reviews for the in-person stuff will be a little sparse just because there's not a lot coming out. So try and go to your theaters, see them. They're not very packed. We really want some of our theaters to stay in business right now because they're suffering. And we will have a new review next week for, I believe the movie is called Freaky. Let me just do a double check on that. We yeah, are, Freaky is freaky, one that we've it? been looking Yeah, we've been looking at uh, yep. um, freaky. waiting for it to come out. Freaky comes out this Friday. We'll be checking it next week so we can review it for you. The deal with Freaky is it's a it's a takeoff on Freaky Friday, except instead of a mother and daughter switching bodies, it is a deranged serial killer played by Vince Vaughn 
swaps bodies with a high school girl. It looks good. And it, it looks, looks great. Good. So, you know, check out the trailer for Freaky. We're going to catch it, and we'll review it on uh, next week's show. So until then, thank you for joining us on our inaugural, another big word I use oh. properly. That's right. Inaugural visual episode. This is how we plan to do them from here on out. So until then, you can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and uh, you know the other one. Don't say yep. the name. All the devices. That's right. From your Amazon. We don't want to wake mine up. <laughs> Until next week, grab your 3D glasses, get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pink skin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later friends. friends.